A very good morning to you, and welcome to today's edition of the Daily Stand-Up. Without any further ado, let's get started. On many occasions, we get asked questions about this concept, probably more than any other concept. So the great news is we decided to take an opportunity to teach each one of you a little bit about this through a webinar that will be hosted later today uh, and through this podcast. So many people ask us, what exactly is Team John? Uh, rest assured, it has nothing to do with the crapper. In fact, it was named after a very dear friend of mine who passed away a number of years ago. He was a retired military vet, and he would always sign every email, always here to help John. So we did this as a tribute to him by name. But people still want to know, what is this concept that we invented or we came up with, and why is it important, and how does it apply to them? So this concept was invented back in 2008 when we conducted a survey, a, a survey or study of, of numerous Agile teams and tried to prove a hypothesis that a team of five with no interruptions would be more productive than a team of six that frequently got interrupted. And it was interesting because this became a study of people and behaviors. It was no longer a study of just factual data or information. Sure, you know, those things mattered, but we wanted to see just, you know, and in no way did we want to incriminate or say that the Scrum Master wasn't being effective. We all realized and recognized that it's the Scrum Master's responsibility to help thwart those interruptions. The problem often comes when the Scrum Master is not 100% available to address those issues. Perhaps you're doing multiple teams or they're stuck in meetings. You know, people tend to wait for the opportune time to throw their interruption out there. So we wanted to create a concept that no matter when an interruption happens, uh, there would be an individual that would always be there to help shield the team from distractions or from outside interference. What remains the Scrum Master's key responsibility to dissuade or thwart the interruptions, they often still, oftentimes there's still the case where teams and organizations struggle with how to handle the growing influx of requests, reports, emergencies, fires that prevent a team from meeting their sprint goal and completing what they committed to. There are a few key things that you need to do in order to have Team John work effectively. In order for Team John to be the most proficient, you should make sure that the team is in either norming or performing phase of the Tuckman model. If you have a team that's just barely forming or a team that's going through storming phase, they're not going to very effectively be able to do this. Attempting this techniques with teams that have really no working relationship would prove extremely difficult, if not impossible, to come out correctly. Um, a second rule would be the team cannot have less than six full-time members uh, on the team in order to be able to rotate one per sprint off and never go fewer than five team members. Uh, teams should be transparent when attempting this concept and should allow time to see tangible results. So you should let people know that you're doing it. It's not something you should be doing under the covers or behind a curtain or in a silo, but it's definitely something that you want to be transparent about. Uh, you know, but you do have to make sure that you allow three to six sprints somewhere in that range. Typically, you can see a change in three sprints in order to see the effectiveness of whether or not this concept is working. 
Uh, teams should strive to eliminate as much technical debt as possible prior to kicking us off. This is probably where I want to put the greatest emphasis. If you have a team that has a ton of defects or a bug list or a bug triage or a queue that needs to be addressed, this concept's not going to work correctly. You need to get that cleaned up and tidied up, and I'd refer you to the seven deadly sins of technical debt, where we talked about the concept of a technical debt sprint to address some of these, where you take two full weeks and dedicate to your top ten items to make sure that you address these in a timely way. But there's no way this is ever going to work if you have all this other outstanding debt before you initiate the practice. You want to make sure you're addressing that first before you kick this off. Okay, so now for the hard, fast rules of how this operates. Conceptually, we're going to take one person who's on a team of six and rotate them off onto an isolated type team. Uh, so in order for us to be able to do that, the first rule, every team member is required to rotate off for a single two-week sprint when it's their turn. Uh, the member who rotates off must have the following in order in order to qualify for the rotation. One, Team members are not allowed to work on any other work in the current sprint while on Team John, because in that case, if they got interrupted, that would be the same as interrupting the entire team. Two, team members are not allowed to be on vacation when rotated on a Team John. Hey, you're on vacation, Team John. That doesn't work. You need to be present to win. Uh, number three, team members are not allowed to pull from a never-ending defect queue while on Team John. If you've got this defect queue that never dies, if you've got just all this work just piling up and building up, oh, it drives me crazy. You, you can't have that technical deck queue. Team John was never meant to be a punishment. It was meant to be a way to officially handle these in-sprint interruptions. Now, I know what you're thinking. You, you haven't even spoke about interruptions yet. So let's let's talk about that, and let's talk about how we're going to address some of these interruptions. So if an interruption during a sprint does occur, the idea is that the team member on Team John uh, should assess the interruption first. So if someone comes up and says, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, you know, team members should be directed to point out or to assess and say, hey, you know, this is where you need to go and uh, point to direction of the person who's serving on Team John for that sprint. Now, if they direct people to the Scrum Master, that's equally as good. We just want a way to not interrupt the core teams. The goal here is to teach people to look for either the Scrum Master or the person on Team John prior to interrupting anyone who is uh, on the team. Now, it's expected that the person on Team John will assess the interruption and make a logical decision. If at any point that member's uncomfortable or doesn't feel certain which category applies, you know, they're instructed to immediately seek the help of a qualified product owner and or scrum master to assist with a resolution. So let's break down uh, the three categories, if you will. A category one interruption would involve any topic that's just not critical enough to really warrant an interruption. Uh, it could be a request for an improvement. It could be, you know, something very simple. You often hear me in classes used to reference of, you know, Susie in Bozeman, Montana wasn't able to complete a $10 transaction with her diner's club card. You know, I, I don't know how desperate I would be to you know, invest a whole lot of time, effort, and resource money-wise into correcting that issue. Now, if it was an ongoing problem or a problem that spanned across multiple different payment forms, that would be a different question. But in this case, if it was a, a one-and-done, one-off type situation... You know, I'd probably give her the gift card and just call it good, right? Um, 
these type of things would fall into a category that we'll call known but not resolved and uh, they should be documented and they should be archived correctly and accordingly so that way if something does come up later we have that information but those are things that as an organization that we're simply not going to address and once again for more information on these type of known but not resolved issues the technical debt uh, conversation that we had earlier will guide you and get you to that point these will be addressed uh, should an issue arise a second time. You know, we'll unarchive, we'll create a defect, we'll put it up first in a queue and make sure we address it right away. In most cases, these types of defects have a suitable workaround. They've already been resolved uh, as we tend to a different matter in a product. And sometimes it's just not an issue at all. So you just need to be aware of what's going on. I'm intentionally skipping category two for a moment and jumping to category three. Category 3 situations are dire in urgency and considered all hands on deck. These are what most people call showstoppers. Uh, we alert all interested parties and in many cases halt all forward progress in order to get them resolved. These are the mission critical and the most urgent in nature. You know, we're unable to accept any kind of payment online. Nobody's able to log in. You know, these are the things that you just do all hands on deck, get as many people as you need and tackle the issue. Uh, you don't want to mess with those, and that's something that you handle right away, even if it includes interrupting the team. This is the exception to the rule category. Category 2 interruptions are the ones that specifically apply to this Team John mentality. These are interruptions which, which would typically disrupt a team, set them off course, and cause them to move in a different direction enough to not be able to complete their sprint goal, but they're not of such an urgent matter that they warrant ending a current sprint completely to address. Uh, these are either discovered and queued up to be the first items that we address in the next sprint or addressed by the member of Team John or the Team John members from multiple teams, if possible, while the team completes the work related to the sprint goal. At very minimum, it's required that the team member who rotated off of the sprint should be aware of the issue, be able to reproduce the error, to be able to present it to the product owner and stakeholders, to allow for a decision to be made of how we're going to handle the interruption in the next sprint or if it's not impactful enough for us to address. So what if there are no interruptions? What if the sky's not falling? What if the team member who rotated off, what are they supposed to be doing? So herein lies the beauty of Team John. The team member could wipe their machine clean, install the latest instance of Visual Studio Eclipse. They could attend a training workshop, read a book. The intent is that if they're not busy dealing with interruptions, that they're taking this time to sharpen their skill set. This could include pairing with another Team John member to learn something new from a different part of the product or service, uh, working on an innovation backlog that they seldom get time to address the things that are enjoyable for them to work on, attending a charity event, doing whatever is needed in order for them to add value as they decompress and prepare for the next several weeks of sprinting. Knowing that this rotation only happens typically about once a quarter, it should be treated with, uh, it should be treated with respect as time for the team member to do what they need to do. The concept is that out of the five active team members, one is always in hyper-performing uh, as, as they rotate off onto Team John. So they need to get ready to rotate off, so they're always going to be in that hyper-performing mode. A second team member is fresh as they just rotated off for the previous two weeks, so they're going to be in, you know, in, in just excitement mode to get back to work. In essence, 40% of your team is continually in high-performance mode at all times, and as a result, over time, the core team will finish more work as a team of five than they ever dreamt of doing as a team of six if we take away the interruptions. 
the team member who rotated off also has a chance to cross-pollinate and learn about other areas of the product or service where they may not have expertise, thereby creating proficient T-shaped individuals and teams. A really cool side effect is that Team John also helps break down work silos. For the first several sprints, uh, as this is implemented, it, 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 I not only support, but I encourage the team members to interrupt the one and only subject matter expert if there is one on any topic where they're the only person in the world who's aware of how a specific part of a product or service is built or operates. This allows, for, uh, this allows them to perform knowledge share for the rest of the team and promotes them finding a way to solve the problem. In the end, I feel like it's better to have five team members who understand 20% each of what covers what we're trying to build and what we're willing to learn from each other than having a single point of failure where one individual is the only person who holds the keys to the kingdom. After a few short sprints, these individuals will come to the conclusion quickly that they need to find a way to disseminate the information to other team members or they'll quickly become frustrated and, um, and just become obsolete and wind up leaving the organization. Either way, the team becomes stronger once the information is out there and the person with the knowledge is uh, now allowed to expand their knowledge by working on new and innovative parts of the product or service and able to expand you know, their offering to the rest of the organization. Now, truth be told, many organizations have already applied these teachings. 100% have seen favorable results. We haven't seen anyone hurt from this yet. Other organizations try to take small pieces, bits and chunks of the Team John concept and apply them in different innovative ways that work best for their organization. While this is designed to work as described, taking steps towards incremental improvement are always acceptable. As a result of the implementation of Team John, morale should increase. People have better work-life balance. Teams will become better at communication. Core teams will work without interruption. And no single person will ever be considered a single point of failure in any product or service. Teams will become energized when they're allowed to work on things that are important to them and see market progress. They'll increase in communication with each other, and people will once again love where they work and talk to others about having two weeks per quarter to promote self-improvement, thereby drawing new and even better talent to the organization as a whole. I saved the very best part for last. Applying this initiative is 100% free. It costs nothing to implement. In fact, over time, it becomes a profit center as teams will be more productive and people become more knowledgeable over time. You know, you'll have that initial hiccup where you're interrupting for the first few sprints to get the knowledge transfer across, but then shortly thereafter you'll see a pivot where the velocity remains the same as it was before and then eventually increases. You know, this is just a common sense thing and it's something that most people should be doing. And I hope that there's enough information to at least get you started. If it's not, maybe it makes sense for me to go ahead and change the name to the Agile No-Brainer so it gets your attention that way. Well, that concludes today's edition of The Daily Stand-Up. We hope you found this information useful. We invite you to visit AgileDad.com where you can learn more about this topic and many others. And as always, we encourage you to stay healthy, stay well, and stay agile, my friends. Until next time, take care.